This episode of the Best Seats Podcast is brought to you by, well, you. To learn how you can support the show, go to thebestseats.com slash Patreon. Once there, you'll learn how you can get early access to shows, ad-free listening, the ability to submit questions, comments, concerns, and more. Once again, that's thebestseats.com slash Patreon. But enough of that. On to the show. everybody hello and welcome to the first ever episode 91 of the best seats podcast the only podcast bringing you interviews with some of the most talented people in and around the hospitality community from right here in orange county to the rest of southern california and beyond each and every episode as always i am your host croft mccarthy founder and principal of the best seats thank you to my friend ali coyle who provides you music for the show you can find more of her work at alicoilmusic.com and depending on when you're listening to this, she is on tour during the summer. So go to her website and check out show details if she is coming to your area. As a reminder, if you enjoy this podcast, please be sure to leave a rating and or a review wherever you are listening to it on free feeds. It helps other folks discover it as well. You can go to the best seats for more content just like this. And do not forget that you can get early ad free listening and early access to each and every episode of the podcast, as well as exclusive access to the post show only by going to patreon.com forward slash the best seats and signing up at a monthly amount that makes the most sense to you. May um, of 2022 was one of the biggest months for Patreon supporters, all the subscribers over there. It was the best month so far for the best seats. So thank you to everybody who does support over there. Tons more content on the way. But enough of that. Let's talk about episode 91 because, you know, when you first launch a podcast and you're kind of thinking of all these people that you want to get on the show and you know, you're always bringing on new guests and new people are reaching out and you're meeting new people. You know, when I first launched it, there was kind of this list that I put together like, all right, maybe it's just going to be an Orange County podcast. I didn't know that it was going to be almost 100 episodes at this point. I didn't know it was going to be 10 episodes, but I was making a short list of some of the heavy hitters for Orange County, kind of in the culinary scene. Right. I knew I wanted to do bars. I knew I wanted to talk about wineries and all that stuff has evolved into the show. But when it was first starting out, it was OK. Who were some of the big dogs? Who are some of those names that are really, truly synonymous with Orange County specifically? Because again, I didn't even know that the podcast was going to expand back then. And my guest for this show was one of those names. And that is Chef Craig Strong. Um, anybody who has spent any time in Orange County at all knows his name. You probably know his food, whether you had it years ago when he was at Montage, whether you had it when he had Ocean at Maine open in Laguna Beach, or whether you've had it recently going down to Hotel Laguna and the restaurant Larson, where he is now set up shop, bringing back all the flavors, all the talent, the smile, the sense of humor. He's such an out and about, just one of the nicest people you could ever, ever meet. Um, I don't know anybody that's got a mean word to say about Chef Strong. Obviously, he can be stern when he needs to be, but if you've ever seen him walking around the restaurant, it's nothing but a smile. It's a good handshake. It's checking in on you. He's just a great person. And to boot, he's a really talented chef. You don't have a career like his without being that level of talented. And man, is he that level of talented. Hotel Laguna is something that I've had my eye on for a while. I was really heartbroken when he had to close Ocean at Maine. 
um, down in Laguna Beach. I want to say it was February of 2020, just before everything kind of shut down. So serendipitous timing, I guess, looking back at it. But now that he's at Hotel Laguna, he's very much back. And we kind of sit down to talk about what does that feel like? What is it like to be not just opening a restaurant, but working to open a hotel during a pandemic? How is it when you know that you're not just going to have restaurant guests, you're going to have hotel guests. You're going to have guests that know your name. They know your food. They're expecting different things. How does all of that come together? And what does it just feel like to be back in the kitchen? How did he spend those off times that kind of during those shutdown months and everything else? He's a really, really great guy. I'm super grateful for him to take the time. I don't want to take up any more of your time because Chef Strong has a lot to say. So I hope that you will enjoy episode 91 of the Best Seats podcast with Chef Craig Strong of Hotel Laguna. Enjoy. Chef, thank you so much for taking the time to sit down today. Um, I really could not think of a better view to be trying to record a podcast. It's going to be hard to focus on the microphones when we are sitting right next to the ocean on a stunning day in Laguna. Um, I'd be amazed if anybody has not heard of you, but for those that may not have, would you mind introducing yourself and giving a little bit of your background and how we came here, uh, to be here today at Hotel Laguna? Well, sure. My name's Craig Strong. I'm the executive chef of Hotel Laguna. I, you know, started like many chefs, you know, wanting to get a first job in a, in a kitchen and to buy a car, right? So I was like 15, I had my eyes set on this little car and um, saved my pennies and bought it. And then, you know, the car was such a piece of junk that it forced me to keep working to keep it on the road. <laughs> I think is what happened. But, um, you know, it, it gave me a love for food. And I worked, you know, in a restaurant through high school. And then right after high school, I went to culinary school in Washington, D.C. Um, I joined the uh, ski resort up at Stein Erickson Lodge, worked there for a year, mm -hmm. and then went back east to the Ritz-Carlton in Philadelphia. I spent a couple years there, then transferred to Atlanta, Georgia, which used to be their headquarters. Great restaurant. Um, studied under two guys who were key mentors for me, um, Gunter Seeger and Joel Antunes. And then I always wanted to live in Europe, so I moved to Barcelona. They transferred me from... Uh, Atlanta to the Ritz in Barcelona, and I spent a couple years there, and then came back to California, where I grew up about half in California and half in Utah, so, you know, California was a great place to come back to. I was the head chef of the dining room at the Ritz in Pasadena for about 10 years, and then came to the Montage, spent about 10 years as the executive chef of studio, and then opened my own restaurant, which was called Ocean at Maine. We closed that in 2020, and I immediately joined the Hotel Laguna back then, but it took a little while for this to get open. Yeah. So here I am. Well, I was going to say, at Ocean at Main, it, it, I loved that restaurant, and I was so sad to see that one close. That closed in about, I want to say, February of 2020. It did. Now, before we kind of jump into how you got to Hotel Laguna, we don't have to dig into too many of the details at why ocean closed, but did you as a chef and, and everybody was kind of mumbling about this, everybody was kind of rumbling about the virus and maybe shutting down. And of course everybody, God, if we only knew was saying the word, Oh, three weeks won't be a big deal. And now we're pushing and pushing. Did you guys, what was it like as a chef when ocean at closing, did you kind of see the writing on the wall a little bit, or was there any kind of indication that something was coming like this? No, it was a little early at that time. And you know, it was really, you know, my 
partner and I made a business decision on, do we think that this location as, as beautiful of a restaurant and as close to a, you know, good location as we thought it would be, it just didn't have what we thought it would be mm-hmm. in its projections. And we just needed a little bit more foot traffic and volume. And, um, you know, it, we made a decision of, should we put more money into it and, and try to give it legs or, you know, should we maybe pull out and look for another spot? And, you know, the decision was the latter. We said, you know, we just don't think that this specific location is the right fit for us. And that was it. At the time, how soon did you transition to kind of Hotel Laguna from when Ocean kind of shuttered its doors? It was literally the same day. So literally (laughs) being the same day, um, and kind of not knowing what was coming with the shutdown, what was that like for you to kind of be like, all right, here's what's next. And the entire world was like, no, no time out. Well, we, we had started, um, looking at the hotel. I had toured the property, kind of got the scope of what was going to happen in, Mm -hmm. in the remodel. And, um, you know, we, I was working on that for a couple weeks and then the world really ended. I mean, it it just completely shut down and nobody at that time knew what was going on. We were like, Hey, you know, what are we doing? And, you know, ownership was just like, we got to freeze. Everything's going to go on hold. And I actually had a little bit of time off. Um, you know, I took, I think it was four months before I came back um, because everybody kind of hit the pause button. Nobody, yeah. nobody knew what was happening. Everything froze. People were locked in their houses, basically quarantining themselves. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it was, it was an interesting time for a chef who works like, you know, normal chef hours. Yeah. And here I am spending every day with my wife and daughter. I taught my daughter how to ride a bike during that time. So there are, there are some silver linings. Well, I, you're not the first guest that I've had on the show who talked about, what that experience was like, kind of that, kind of a forced sabbatical. Yeah. Where, and you're kind of like, oh, I forgot what it's like to have the life outside of, you know, the kitchen or outside of the bar or just outside of this industry in general. You know, the hours are so demanding, the time is so demanding, especially if somebody at your position, four months off, being able to spend time with your family, doing, you know, things like that with your daughter, which are just beautiful and fantastic. What's it been like kind of, and and I want to touch on what you did in between you got back to Laguna, but how's that kind of work-life balance been since? Did that change the way you kind of approached getting back to work? I think it did everybody, to be honest. I mean, it it changed the industry that there were many, many people had even longer than I did off. Mm -hmm. And I think you change your paradigm a little bit. It, It changed the world. It was different. And I think, you know, for me, work-life balance is always important, you know, to keep myself healthy. I think a lot of people reevaluated their careers and said, what is important to me? What do I want? And I think that's been part of what has really slowed down people wanting to come back to work. I yeah. mean, that has been a real challenge for pretty much everybody I know in the industry and, yeah. and even maybe some non-hospitality industries. I was going to say, yeah, it seems to be kind of a universal. I think so. Yeah. And, you know, I, I, I think we're starting to see some more normality. I think people are starting to sense that we're going to move beyond what happened a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. Thank heavens. Mm-hmm. And, but it still has made a change in the industry of, you know, what do people want? What are their expectations? Yeah. How, how is it going to work? What is the work-life balance? And 
we're redefining what those terms are now. So you jumped on board with Hotel Laguna, um, obviously a bit of a pause in kind of construction getting going, which is understandable given everything that was happening. But you did start to do pop-ups. You were doing kind of like some pop-up brunch things, um, you know, kind of some ticketed items, things like that. But to my knowledge and my remembrance, because I went to a few of them, they weren't under kind of the Hotel Laguna name. They weren't under what would inevitably be called, you know, Larson and things like that. Was that just to kind of get you re-ingratiated with the community and just kind of to get you back out there and your food back out there? Well, the owner of Hotel Laguna owns several other properties, their mm -hmm. sister properties, and he brought me on to help with all of them. And, you know, if we're paying rent on areas or, or looking for opportunities to make money, then what can we do with the spaces considering we're right in the middle of the pandemic? Yeah. So coming up with some different themes for, you know, there were still people who wanted to go out, but they wanted it to be safe. Mm -hmm. So what can we do that would create the opportunity for people to start to try to feel a little bit normal, but, you know, with the caution of, oh my gosh, we're, we're still in a pandemic. So we did some pop-up dinners. We did family style dinners where people ate in groups that they knew spaced them way out. Mm -hmm. um, just tried to be creative in the offerings and it was great success. I mean, at the beginning it was great. Um, then the governor shut us down again and yeah. said no more of that. <laughs> and then we're re <laughs> redefining what we're going to do like, cool, and switching cool. gears. We'll, just, yeah, we'll, figure, we'll figure it out again. Thanks. I mean, it, but it is what it is. I, I think, you know, not to blame anybody, but nobody really knows what to do. We're all trying to navigate through it the best yeah. way we can. Yeah. And, 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 and again, and I, and I don't want to make it political in any way that's yeah, me neither. anybody's thing is open for that. That's fine. Um, what was the process like when you finally, when things started to slowly kind of open back up to get the construction going? Because, you know, from when I talked to you, the vision was always to get the restaurant going first. Mm -hmm. The hotel needs some love. It needs restoration. Obviously, it's a historical building, historical buildings in Laguna. That's a whole other hurdle to climb and making sure that you're adhering to certain things and really honoring the property itself, because this is a landmark for anybody that's driven through. What was the process like in the timeline to get the restaurant, bar, you know, where we're recording this, Finn, the sushi bar, what was it like to get all of this open? It, it was a little stop and go. And, you know, the, what I say to, you know, Mo Honaker, who is the owner said, look, you're, you're sitting on a, on a jewel, yeah. but, but the jewels deep down <laughs> and we got to have to go digging. We're going to have to dig to it. And that's, you know, the historical nature that you had mentioned or the coastal commission that would come into mm -hmm. play. And, you know, people give the coastal commission and, and entities like the city a hard time, but they're, they're actually cooperative. They just get bogged down with some bureaucratic stuff that takes a long time. And they want us to open. They want it to be an amenity for the community. There's just a few checks and balances that you have to go through and a little bit more when you're right on the coast and in a historic building. But if you honor the building, you honor the space, you, you treat it the way that you're supposed to, which we have, the answer is yes. Yeah. And it just takes a little bit longer. But then you get to that jewel and you're glad you're there. And, and that was the idea is first, let's open the ground floor mm -hmm. and let the locals come in. This is the locals hotel. Yeah. I mean, it, it really is embraced by so many people because of the history. There's generations and generations that have been coming here celebrating birthdays and anniversaries and, you know, all kinds of things. And, you know, 
we want to open it up so that the community can enjoy it again. It was closed for three years. So to, to get them back in and say, hey, it's breathe the life back into it by the locals. They're the ones who are making it come back alive. And, you know, Mo's daughter, uh, Hasty, has done an incredible job with the design. The decor is super cool. It's universally well accepted. Everybody walks in and is like, this is awesome. Yeah, I should say, I know this is an audio podcast and not video, but for anybody who hasn't been here, you really are doing yourself a disservice. And we haven't even gotten to the food yet, but the, the decor is really stunning. It is. Really it, stunning. And it no pressure for the rest of the hotel. <laughs> <laughs> it, it'll be great. I mean, you know, her sense of style and it's the art that's picked, the chairs, the tables, every detail has been thought of. The yep. the color of the walls, the the mother of pearl in Finn that's on the backsplash of the sushi bar. I mean, every single thing has been thought of. And when people do things well, it seems um, natural or seamless. And, yeah. and that's really, I think, what she's accomplished, that people walk in and it fits the history of the hotel, which, you know, it needs to fit, but it's modern and fresh and cool and yeah. hip. No, it and, really, it, it seems like it's always been here. It doesn't seem like, oh, this is brand new and so far. It, it really seems like a, a place that's been here for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, you mentioned that when you guys opened, you wanted to open kind of just for the locals. Um, obviously the hotel not being ready to kind of have guest itself yet. You guys were also kind of slow on the media stuff. I mean, I want to say that the, one of the only stories I saw was from, um, Ann Valdespino, who's fantastic, love yeah. her to death. Um, but aside from like this pokey little podcast, you guys have kind of been really kind of slow playing the opening. I mean, this is one of the, it almost kind of a, a month long, you know, multi-month long soft opening to some degree. It, a little, it, I sometimes wish it was a little softer because <laughs> <laughs> last weekend being Mother's Day was not soft to me. No, that wasn't soft to anyone. And it Godspeed was, for everybody who survived it. It was active, um, which is good. That's active. a good, that, that's a good, that's, that's what my bosses would say. Take the word busy out. It's yeah. active. active. <laughs> so that's great. Um, it's just a different mentality. And, and, Thank you for promoting us and, and having me on your show because everything helps. And it, it has been a little slow played. A little bit of that's intentional. Um, as we talked earlier is, you know, staffing is an issue, getting mm-hmm. staffing up. So making sure that we can deliver the kind of quality that we want, the attentiveness to service and details and things like that. And open it up. I mean, people want, there's a lot of pent up demand, I think partially because of the pandemic and because you're new and it's a gorgeous view. I mean, the, yeah. the, the view sells itself. No, I mean, there's on the water and then there's, you're getting a little nervous when high tide comes in. I mean, th- this is, this is on the water and it's just phenomenal. I mean, it, you know, and, and God love the team down at the deck. I love everybody down there, but you know, they kind of had that, the lock on the kind of the beachfront bar and restaurant scene for so long. And this is right up there with it. I mean, as far as views go, it literally does not get any better than that. Yeah. You have dolphins, you know, a hundred yards away from you, you have waves crashing. I mean, you can feel the energy of the ocean. It's, it is right there. And you're right. People love that. It's gorgeous. It feels like a Southern California restaurant. Mm -hmm. Lots of people sit on the patio al fresco because We have beautiful weather here and they want to take advantage of it. And there's few places that really have that stunning of a view and 
hopefully great food and yeah. great service. That's the goal. That's what we're trying to do. And, and I want to touch on the menu in one second, but I do have one more question for it. I, you know, I'm saying it kind of a, a lengthy, soft opening. I mean, the doors kind of officially open, what, fall of last year? I want to say like October, early November, October. October 13th is yeah. uh, is the day we officially opened. And you're right, it was a little soft. We, we intentionally kept it slow until November and then you know, we, we kind of opened it up a little bit more. Well, I was going to say, I'm sitting here making it sound like there was no one in here. And yet every time I stop in here, whether it's for food or just a drink or anything else, you guys are flying. I mean, it is <laughs> like, it is, this is the place to be, whether the sun is up or down. I mean, this has just been packed with people. I mean, to, to get it open and to get it open like that and just instantly have that surge what is that like for you to feel like after kind of that two year kind of timeout where everything was spaced out and limited, et cetera, to just kind of be like, Oh, okay. Yeah. We're back. Uh, hit the ground running. So it's been active. Yeah. It's been active. But you know, the, the secret is surround yourself with good people mm -hmm. and you can handle it. Yeah. So I'm very lucky to have a chef de cuisine. His name's Blake, um, Krista, Juan Carlos and Chris is my core chefs. Um, they all worked with me at studio for many, many years at the montage. We have similar philosophy on how we want to treat people in the kitchen. You know, the old school way of yelling and screaming is kind of faded away. And I've, I've evolved as a chef and changed over the years, read some things, did some introspection and thought about, you know, what, what kind of kitchen do I want to run? What, environment do I want? You still have to demand excellence and mm -hmm. have a certain strictness to you, but there's an underlying feeling that we all share of mentorship. And when you have these core people breeding this culture into the kitchen, it establishes a lot of consistency and stabilizes your team. Yeah. Even if you are a smidgen short-staffed, our staffing is now building up to where I feel pretty good about things. But, you know, when you're opening something or beginning, it's very important to have a core group that are all saying the same story. Like, this is what we do. This is how we operate. And if you want to be part of our team and join the family, and it really is a family, that you have to be on board with this philosophy. And I think that has bode well for us in these early stages. That's excellent. I mean, and again, from all intents and purposes, the times that I've been in here, it doesn't seem like you guys have missed a beat. It seems like everybody has a great time. And obviously the food that your team is pumping out has been nothing short of completely on par with your reputation and skill set. When you were building out the food for this place, this is not your first experience with a hotel. Obviously, this is a little bit different, intentional or not, than a studio you know, that's a very different dining experience. When I had, you know, Chef Ben Martinick on the show, we were kind of talking about how at risk, you know, that type of experience is given how much has changed in the pandemic. Um, but this is more relaxed. It's more alfresco. It's more akin to kind of what you were doing at Ocean at Maine. But when you're building a menu for what inevitably will be a hotel, what is that experience like for a chef? And kind of what challenges does that present? Well, I look at every space as its own identity. I mean, Ocean at Maine had to have its idea, even though there's many similarities, there are going to be some things that just fit here that make yeah. sense to this building. Um, for instance, people who eat on the sand, if you're sitting in a lounge chair eating out of a, a plastic box because you can't have 
glass on the beach and mm-hmm. things like that. You got birds flying over. What food is conducive for that area? What do people want? You're in a bikini, maybe not you or I, but you well, know. no, hopefully, <laughs> hopefully not. But, my listeners, thank God it's an audio only podcast. <laughs> but you know, you, it, it, it's different what you're going to eat there mm-hmm. as opposed to if you come into the beach club or into Larson or that's why we created Finn because we thought here we have this beautiful room with ocean view, ocean view and sushi. Hmm. That sounds like it probably makes sense. Let's try it. And we've had great success with it. We hired two guys who are super talented and, you know, again, like earlier I said, I, you surround yourself with good people. So we have two great sushi guys who just, you know, you guys get the best ingredients that you can and make it beautiful. Keep it simple and make it beautiful. But I don't tell them what to do. They're, yeah. they're very talented. Chris Pock is the chef who runs Finn, and he's extraordinarily talented. He, you know, he makes beautiful, clean, wonderful-tasting sushi and sashimi, but it's very simple. And it's, you know, the mentality of let's just focus on quality of ingredient and not mess it up. Well, it's time for a little commercial. Yeah. I don't know about you, but 2020 had me re-looking at how I live and the space that I live in. Spending so much time at home really had me reevaluating how certain things worked and didn't in my living space. One of the main things, as an avid home cook and an obvious supporter of restaurants, was gardening. Anybody who enjoys food at all will be able to tell you that something you've grown yourself will taste infinitely better than anything you can buy at a store. That's where Ashley Irene of Heirloom Potager comes in. Heirloom Potager designs, installs, and maintains seasonal culinary gardens for chefs and foodies in Orange County. They provide organic gardening methods and bespoke build-outs used to preserve the heirloom varietals that they'll provide for seeds. An approachable and exciting endeavor, no matter if you're a seasoned restaurateur or a stay-at-home chef, Owner Ashley Irene's experience, expertise, and enthusiasm is only matched by her professionalism. For more information on how you can set up a consultation to get your own culinary garden space set up, go to heirloompotager.com. That's heirloom, H-E-I-R-L-O-O-M, potager, P-O-T-A-G-E-R.com today. Once again, that's heirloom potager. If you listen to the best seats at all or read the content, then you know the motto, live well and often. But what does it mean? In layman's terms, it's trying to give you the best products, places, experiences, and more, so you can put a big smile on your face every single day. Amass Botanics is what I use on my back bar constantly if I need a cocktail or a quick pick-me-up. Any of their other botanical products, like candles, hand sanitizer, and more, also helps to set the mood. Now, I'm a big fan of everything that Amass does. I have been since day one when they launched their trademark gin, and everything they've done since then has been nothing short of excellent. Now you can get your hands on their products at a discounted rate by going to amass.com and using the discount code THEBESTSEATS15, that's C-E-A-T-S, at checkout. Now it's limited one per customer, so make sure you load up. But trust me, you can't go wrong with anything they're doing. I stand by Amass 100%. They're one of my go-to brands for spirits needs or anything around the house. So again, go to Amass.com, that's A-M-A-S-S, and use the code THEBESTSEATS15 
at checkout. Trust me, you will not be disappointed. I mean, I guess the first thing we should do also for people that haven't been here is kind of break down the space because you guys have crammed a lot of different options into kind of this ground floor. And obviously you mentioned the beach club, which is going to be opening soon uh, or soon-ish, depending on the timeline for that. Whenever people are listening to this, it may be open, it may not. But what are the different spaces? I mean, we're recording this in Finn, which you mentioned. This is kind of the sushi area and the idea of eating sushi and staring at the ocean. That's like snacking in the fridge while you're staring (laughs) in the fridge. Uh, But describe the rest of the spaces that are down here. So we have Larson, which was named after Eiler Larson, who Mm -hmm. is the original greeter here in Laguna Beach. You see statues of him if you're driving through downtown. And we thought that'd be a nice name to honor the space and the city and tie it all together. Finn, of course, you know, could be the fin of a, a fish or even the bottom of a surfboard or something like that. And mm-hmm. we thought that is a cool name that would fit. The patio is extraordinarily popular. Yeah. I mean, it's, it is just, you know, few places have that alfresco kind of dining. And then downstairs, we're building out the beach club, which is very, very close to being finished. And that will be open for private membership that if people want to come and have an exclusive experience where they're enjoying going onto the sand and having actual alcohol service on the sand, which we are lucky to have one of the only liquor licenses that allows us to do that in California because it's it's grandfathered in. But think of when you're in Europe, if you're in nice or somewhere like that no big deal have a beer or a margarita mm-hmm. or a glass of wine on on the beach but yeah. here you can't you know when i was at montage it's forbidden you cannot do it but for us having that proximity and that unique liquor license it makes it really cool for people to be able to come indoor outdoor so the indoor space will have its own bar have its own dining kind of lounge area and if you want to come and enjoy this beautiful coastline with protected waters and, and all the good stuff that goes along with Laguna beach, but not have to fight with crowds to have exquisite service, to have personalized service because you're a member. So we, we know who you are. We know what you like. We know your preferences before you get here and then dial that in. And then you have this beautiful space to have lunch or an early dinner or whatever you're going to plan, have a business meeting, you have a private space in a picturesque location. I think it's going to sell itself. So, you know, that private membership is a unique aspect of the building and and what we're going to do and the offerings, the food that we'll offer down there will be slightly different than what we have up in Larson so that it has a unique selling point and um, some dishes that I think are going to be really, really fun for people to enjoy. That's awesome. That I, I, I love that you guys have the license grandfathered in. That's huge. And I have no doubt that that's going to sell itself immediately just on that fact alone. Uh, your menu, um, I've always loved your menus because I've, I've, I know what that experience is like at a studio type of restaurant. Lord knows I spent a lot of time at Ocean at Maine. Um, your menu here is so good. It's very familiar. It's very kind of homey in a way. But all of the dishes and the skill set at which your team executes are kind of, they're just that extra kick above. Just everything is just better. Even no matter if you think, oh, I could, I could do this at home. No, you just can't. Everything is just going to be that little bit better. When you're kind of creating that menu, kind of specifically for Larson, because obviously the team over here at Finn kind of has this one on lock, 
was the approach to, because I mean, eventually you will have those guests upstairs. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess, is there any nerve to be, I mean, right now it's lunch service, it's dinner service. Are you guys going to have to consider breakfast at some point? I mean, are you going to have to kind of open up that other aspect of what comes with hotel dining? For sure. And we already are doing a little bit of that on the weekends. We do brunch Mm -hmm. and their breakfast items, essentially. And dishes that, you know, I love. They're classics with a twist. I mean, essentially, that's what I'm doing. Yeah. Classics have been around for a long time. There are some things that are totally signature that are maybe a little funky or a little different. But in general, we take dishes that we know are popular and try to put a signature twist on it. And I think that's the secret. And, you know, any chef will tell you start with good ingredients. That's number one. Number two is make sure that the cooks are passionate about what they're touching and doing. And I don't care if it's a burger or a carrot or caviar. They're all the same. And one of the things I tell all my chefs in the kitchen is, Your name on the jacket does not mean that you're the chef. Chef to me is an oath that you swear and you say, whatever I touch, I'm going to give my best to. And that's it. If you give the job and the ingredients that respect, then you're a chef to me and title is nothing. So I often call my cooks chefs because I want them to see themselves as a professional. Yeah. As somebody who cares about what they're touching and doing and serving to others. And I think that's part of the culture. And when you do that and give them the respect and rise them, make them better, make them, make them the best version of themselves, it cures all the problems. The execution becomes flawless. Not that we don't make mistakes, but it improves dramatically because they're proud of what they're doing. And I think that's really the secret to being a chef. It's my position is much less writing menus than creating culture and developing people. That is probably the biggest part of what I do and the most rewarding, by the way. Yeah. I can count kind of on one hand um, chefs that I deeply identify with the Laguna culinary scene. Um, Anybody who listens to the show knows that I'm fortunate enough to live near here. I spend a lot of my time in Laguna, just geographically, it makes sense for me. Um, but it's a unique place in Orange County, three ways in, three ways out. It's got a deep-rooted history, you know, massive art scene, and just a lot of appreciation for how this town came to be. Um, you're right there at the top of the list on chefs that I identify as kind of culinary figure heads in this community. As somebody who's, you know, 10 years at Montage, you know, Ocean, and now you're here at Hotel Laguna, Kind of the bigger picture for Laguna Beach's dining scene, what is it like for you and what does it mean to you to A, kind of stay in Laguna Beach, but also B, kind of help inject life back into a town that really did get hit pretty hard during the shutdowns and everything else? Well, you know, when I'll, I'll flash back to when we first came here, you know, my I was living in Pasadena and um, dating my now wife and we would come down to Orange County from LA and my wife's an actor and we would take little vacations. I was working for the Ritz, so I'd come down and stay at Mm -hmm. our sister property down in Laguna Niguel. And we would say, gosh, you know, what, what's going on with Orange County down here? You know, just (laughs) we're all into the Hollywood scene and stuff like that. And we never thought we would live here. And 
then fast forward, Montage brings me down and I'm like, okay, let's rent a place and we'll, we'll see how it goes for a year. And we just fell in love with Laguna Beach. Yeah. I mean, my, I asked Lisa, my wife, hey, what do you want to do? Do you want to live in Newport? You want to live closer to LA so your commute's not as bad? What, what do you think? And she's like, no, we're going to stay here. We're going to be part of the community here. And, you know, that was back in 2009. So, you know, we've spent more than a decade here and it's, we've just become part of the culture of the art, the, the people, the diversity, the beautiful mountains, you know, the, we go mountain biking, you know, a few times a week. Um, you know, we go to the art of fitness, which is a local gym. That's just a bunch of locals, you know, mm-hmm. and, you know, we love the beach. We like the school that my daughter goes to now. We have a nine-year-old daughter that, you know, we were able to grow our family. And it's just, it's been a great place. Um, I decided to join the Chamber of Commerce. I spent two years on their board. And, you know, it, it got me into, you know, seeing the ins and outs of the politics and what happens and trying to grow business here in, in Laguna. And it's just given me different perspectives as I've you know, had a business and I'm working in the industry of, you know, hospitality and serving hundreds of people every week. So, you know, we've decided to make this our home. We, we love it. And, you know, there's other jobs out there, but we, we love living here in, in this very unique town. I mean, it, it has a very signature feel to it and that's part of its charm. I mean, it's, it fiercely protected Yep. which which is a pro and con yep, it, it, right yep, i mean absolutely. we all we all want it to keep the charm that it has but we also want it to evolve and you know there's no place that is stagnant you know it, you're either eroding or evolving there's nothing stagnant i was and, gonna say you may not want to say eroding too loud seeing as the ocean <laughs> is about eight feet away <laughs> But, you know, you have these groups who want to protect the character of it and freeze it in, you know, 1960 or 70, but that's impossible. It's never going to happen. So you take this project, for instance, and you have this historic building that's touching the heartstrings of many, many people here. And when we were going through the renovation process, they're, you know, what's going to happen? You know, should we try to block them? Should we fight them? And it's no, let it be and come and visit it once we're done and see how lovely it is, which has been the consensus. So I was going to say, how's the, how has the reception been so far? Excellent. Excellent. Uh, hands down, everybody just loves it. And it's really hats off to, you know, Mo Honaker is, you know, has an incredible vision for what he wants to do here in the city. And that's part of the reason why I wanted to work with him because he's, he's passionate about making Laguna Beach better. And his daughter has such a great eye for design and marketing and, and her plan to make this boutique hotel world-class destination. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if we all do our part, it will be. I, I want to, as we kind of wrap up this main episode, um, and obviously I'm going to keep you around for a, a bonus episode, um, kind of getting it full circle now. Obviously, there's a couple pieces that still need to fall into the puzzle getting the full hotel open to understand what that service is going to be like when you have both guests and locals in mm-hmm. and then also the beach club getting ready to open, kind of getting the, the feet wet with that and getting service down there, taken care of and, and handled. But 
you know, we kind of touched on work-life balance right in the beginning. How does it, how do things kind of in your life feel now that this is open and, and now that it is kind of off and running? I mean, obviously there are still some pieces that need to come, but how do things in your life personally feel as a chef? I mean, where, where are you at kind of mentally and, and, you know, contentness? It's a constant battle, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I mean, you know, you, you have to stay focused on it. I, you know, what I've done is tried to have some structure that, mm-hmm. you know, I get up at uh, 630 every morning. I make breakfast and lunch for my daughter every single day. I take her to school, which is my time with her, because by the time I get home from work, she's asleep. Yeah. So I have a little bit of time for daddy-daughter in the morning. And then once I drop her off, usually my wife and I will either mountain bike or go to the gym. Um, and that helps me you know, relieve stress and feel healthy and do the things that I need to do for taking care of myself. Yeah. And then, you know, I'll go home and make something for breakfast and I'll head into work. I usually get here around 10 in the morning and then I stay until service is over. And that's a typical day for a chef, I think. Um, And, you know, when I have days off, I have a great group of chefs and sous chefs and chef de cuisines who we cover for each other. And that way, when you're off, you're off. And, you know, if they need to call me, they do. But for the most part, they're very competent and they, they handle business. And that way, the the operation never misses a beat because you can't work 24-7. No. So what you do is you establish great teams that understand the expectation and just operate and execute over and over and over in a consistent manner. And yeah. that way, you can, you can step away and the machine keeps running. Yeah. So... Overall, I guess the final question I want to ask is now that we've kind of come through all the stress of, of build outs and things like that, it shuts down and no, you're open, no, you're closed, things like that. Do you, do you feel, can, I mean, are, are you happy with where things are at and, and what does the future kind of look like? I think that, you know, things have, uh, I, I can see light at the end of the tunnel. I, I feel like the pandemic and I'm going to knock on wood is in the rear view mirror and it seems the sentiment of guests and the way that we're working and, you know, the mask mandates and all that kind of stuff, as they start to fade away, I think people start to feel a little bit more normal and people are starting to come back to work. Mm -hmm. You know, all, all the indicators of life is coming back. It's, you know, the volume of business is coming. The, the people are booking parties. The people want to come back to work. Um, they want to work in a cool place, yeah. you know, so this is cool. It's a, it's a cool place to work. So I think that's a tremendous advantage for us. Um, so I'm, I'm glad and cautiously optimistic that, you know, we're putting it behind us and there's good times ahead. Good. That's excellent. Well, like I said, I'm going to keep you around for a bonus episode, but in the meantime, uh, for people listening on free feeds, um, if they want to learn more about Hotel Laguna, if they want to book a reservation, if they want to come see this unbelievably good view, stop in, have a drink, whatever it may be, um, websites, kind of social media, things like that, where can people find you guys at? Yeah, hotellaguna.com. Come come visit um, 425 South Coast Highway, uh, Laguna Beach, California, 92651 is the address. And Book a reservation and keep your reservation once you've booked it. <laughs> yeah, if you don't keep a reservation, 
I'll blacklist you from the show to keep your reservation <laughs> or cancel. <laughs> At least be kind enough to do that. Yeah. I'm imagining anybody who listens to this is not that type of person. So, well, chef, thank you so, so much for the time. I'm so happy that a, you decided to stay in Laguna, but B have opened something that is very much part of the community kind of instantly. It has that Laguna feel. It, it, it has your feel. Um, obviously the team you've built is very, very good. And, Wishing you guys nothing but continued success as this place continues to grow and open. Thanks, Crawford. Pleasure to be on. Thank you so, so, so much, Chef, for taking the time to sit down. Um, thank you to the team at Hotel Laguna for opening those doors early, letting me kind of come in. Again, I, if you have not been there, man, pretty is just the biggest understatement that's maybe ever been said on this show. It is a stunning spot. Um, really great food, as always. All the whimsy, all the charm, all the fun that comes with Chef Strong's cooking. I highly, highly recommend it, especially now that we're about to shift into summertime. Um, applications for the Beach Club are open. Depending on when you're listening to this, they may have already been filled. But I know that we talk about that a little bit in the main show. Definitely check out the post show if you have not subscribed to Patreon. Like I said, you are missing out on some killer content for as low as 2 bucks a month. You get access to all of it. Thank you to all the people that do support on Patreon. Thank you to the advertisers, even the ones that come and go, everybody who makes this show possible. I could not do it without you. Thank you once again to my friend Ali Quill for the music. Thank you once again to Chef Strong. And thank you to all of you, whether you are listening on free feeds, Patreon, or otherwise. Love y'all very much. We got a hell of a summer ahead of us, and I will definitely be seeing you occasionally down at Hotel Laguna for some of it. See you soon. Take care. The Best Seats Podcast is an original production of The Best Seats. It is written, edited, produced, and owned by myself, Crawford McCarthy, founder and principal of The Best Seats. It's based in Orange County, California. It is subsidized through generous monthly donations at patreon.com forward slash The Best Seats. The following are the names of those who subscribed at the highest monthly tier, aka norm status, and allow me to continue producing this show each and every month. As a thank you for their continued support, here are the names. Shell McCarthy, Serena Warino, George Pavlov, Eric Lutz, Paige Reardon, Loco Lipo, Tim Falk, Marito Norito, Sarah Hines, Subtle Bubbles, Jay Baker, Tim Swine, John Sanchez. Thank you for your support.